Good morning. My name is Alex Rose. I'm the pastor of student ministries here at New Life, and I'm very excited to be with you this morning. I know Pastor Brad did a great job already of welcoming our first-time guests, but at New Life Students, what we do is we welcome our first-time guests with a round of applause. So can we do that today as well? Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today, whether it's in person or online. Just so you know, at the 8.30 service, our Myanmar team, led by Pastor Barry, was watching with us, which was really cool. So, so all across the world, we're, we're able to, to worship together and to talk about God. If you are new or if you maybe just have forgotten, we are in a 12-month series right now called Experiencing God Unreserved. We want to help everyone partner with what God is doing on this planet. We believe that God is alive and moving today and that he wants to use all of us for his purpose to further his kingdom on this earth. And so today we're kicking off experiencing the spirit, which is just furthering that mentality of partnering with God. Because we don't want to just partner with God the Father and the Son, but we also want to partner with God the Holy Spirit. And so today we're starting a series that we've done before. So if you've been here in 2007, you would have heard this. 2010, we did it again. 2014, we did it again. And 2017 was the most recent time that we talked about the Holy Spirit. And we want to do it once more because it's just that fundamental to what we believe at New Life. Pastor Chris, when he started this church, had this message series on his heart. He knew he wanted people to experience who the Holy Spirit is more fully for a long time, he said about 33 years, he had this debate in his mind about the Holy Spirit and who he was and if he was moving still to this day on this planet. And, and so normally during this series, he starts it off with a story. But right now, Pastor Chris is in India, so we wanted to share it to you today via a video. Now, I was going to share it myself, but this story happened about 20 years before I was born, so I had no personal eyewitness account of it. And so I thought it would just be wiser to let Pastor Chris do it himself. So I just want to let you know that if you are someone that takes notes in the outlines, which is very cool, um, there are going to be some points in that that are not in our outline because it was pulled from 2017. So you can just sit back, relax, and we'll get to the outline right after the video. All right. The way it started, Brad, and again, some of you heard this story in 2007, 10, 14, and now again in 17. If you did, repetition is the mother of learning. But it's so important that we want to share it. What happened was, back when I was 17, my brother Ken was 15, we were at basketball practice after school, and Ken got the cornea of his eye torn playing basketball. Somebody poked him in the eye, tore his cornea, so they took him to the hospital, and he was scheduled for surgery the next day. That night, our pastor, Andy Wygant, and I traveled to Brookville, PA, um, to visit my brother Ken in the hospital. And at the end, Ken had uh, patches on both of his eyes. The doctors wanted to limit the movement of the of, of the affected eye, so he put patches on both eyes. Well, anyway, Andy said when we got up to leave, hey, Ken, how about if I pray and ask God to heal your eye? And Ken said, well, couldn't hurt. So Andy laid hands on, he asked me to lay hands on Ken. We did. We prayed and we went home. So the next day, I expected, you know, go to school, go to practice, come home and go to the hospital and visit Ken in the hospital because in those days, they kept you in the hospital till you got better. Novel concept. But anyway, um, uh, I, I got home that day and Ken was sitting on the couch watching television. And I said, what happened? And he said, well, that, this morning, I got, you know, the doctor came in to look at my eye before the surgery. He took the patch off my eye, and he said, oh, chart must be wrong because your eye's fine. 
And uh, he said, no, this is the eye. And the guy goes, no, it can't be. So he took that patch off the other eye. It was fine, which you would expect because that was the good eye to start with. So anyway, the doctor said, this is impossible. Nobody's cornea, you know, torn as bad as your eye. Nobody's cornea heals overnight. And Ken said, oh, it must have been Andy. And the pastor said, who's Andy? And he goes, he's our pastor. And, and the doctor didn't buy that, but, but there wasn't any real other explanation. So Ken's at home. And my brother, Ken, if you've ever met him, I mean, like, he's like, mm, just like this. I mean, he came home and he was like, oh, I went to the doctor, you know, my eye was healed. And now I'm here watching TV. It was no big deal. But I was freaked out. I was amazed. I couldn't believe that it actually happened. And so I ran back to Andy's house, and I knocked on the door. And when Andy came to the door, I said, Andy, Andy, Ken's eye is healed. And he goes, praise the Lord. And I said, Andy, what happened? He said, you were there. We prayed for Ken, and God healed his eye. And I said, but Andy, that kind of stuff doesn't happen uh, today. And he said, well, then you explain it. And he had me, you know. And I said, come on, Andy, tell me really what happened. He said, look. You've read the Bible. You know how Jesus you know, touched people and healed them. Same thing happened. We, in the name of Jesus, we asked for healing. The Holy Spirit healed him. And I, I still couldn't figure it out. I said, that stuff happened then, but it doesn't happen now. He goes, well, Ken's eye's better now. <laughs> so he said, sit down, Chris. And we sat down. He got the Bible out. And he, what he did was what we're going to do basically during five weeks. But he didn't take five weeks. He only took like a half an hour. And he went through all the passages that talked about the promise of the Holy Spirit coming. And he talked about how John the Baptist had said, I baptize you with water. He's the guy that prepared the way for Jesus. And he said, one is coming after me who's greater than me. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then he talked about how Jesus talked about the promise of the Father. And then he took me through the book of Acts and the day of Pentecost and how the Holy Spirit came and how um, Gentiles, meaning non-Jews, were baptized in, uh, in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 10. And so anyway, all of this to simply say, this is what happened, Chris. And then he said something to me, and, and, and here's what it was. He said, would you like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I had no idea what he was talking about. I mean, I grew up in church, but our church never talked about the Holy Spirit, certainly never talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so one thing I knew, I trusted Andy. The other thing I knew was my brother had a torn cornea, and it was healed. So if there was some kind of power like that, sure, I wanted it. And so I said, yes, yeah, pray for me. So Andy put his hand on my head, and he started praying. And the events of this day are etched in my mind like they happened yesterday. But the one thing I can't remember is how long he prayed. It seemed like it was hours. It seemed like he was praying for hours for me to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he said, when it happens, you'll know because you'll start praying in a different language that you've never heard before. You probably won't understand it. Well, after a long time, it never happened. I said, Andy, thanks for trying, but, but this isn't happening. And he said, look, Chris, when you're ready, it's going to happen. So that night, I went home, and at home, I went to bed, and my brother Ken and I shared a bedroom, so I made sure Ken was sleeping. You know, how Ken, Ken, he was sleeping. So I sat up, and I said, okay, God, and I remember this prayer as if it were written on the screen. I said, I don't know about this Holy Spirit and be baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongue stuff, but Andy seems to think it's really important. So if you're going to do it, would you just get it over with? <laughs> and I've always sort of talked with God like that, and he doesn't seem to mind because, boom, all of a sudden, I was praying in this language I never heard before. And, uh, and then he told me he wanted me to be a pastor, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I started praying in tongues, I thought it was sort of weird, but at the same time, really cool. 
And so what we're going to do during this time is talk about the debate that that moment started. Because what happened that night is I started to ask myself, can this happen to everybody? Can everybody be given the gift of tongues? And that's the wrong question. And I asked that question for, you know, basically 33 years. And so every time I asked that question, the answer came up, no. Everybody doesn't get the gift of tongues because the gift of tongues is a spiritual gift, just like the gift of leadership and mercy and healing and so on. We find, you know, some lists of gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and in 1 Peter. And in those areas, when we look at that, we're talking about specific gifts given by the Holy Spirit to build up the church. And everybody doesn't get the gift of tongues, just like everybody doesn't get the gift of leadership or everybody doesn't get the gift of evangelism. So, but the thing is, 10 years ago, I asked a different question. The question I started to ask was, is being baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit different from receiving the Holy Spirit when we receive Jesus Christ. When we're born again, we receive Jesus, but we also receive the Holy Spirit and God the Father, because there's only one God. So we receive God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit when we believe. But is there something more? And the answer to that question is, yes, there is something more. Foundational point for what we want to talk about during these five weeks. So today we're starting off. We're going to talk about who the Holy Spirit is and describe what God's Word says about Him. Next week, Pastor Brad's going to be here and going to continue talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. Week three, Pastor Barry will be back from Myanmar and he's going to talk about Pentecost and how the Holy Spirit descended on the disciples. And then weeks four and five, Pastor Chris will be here talking about being filled and being baptized baptized by the Holy Spirit. And then during weeks three, four, and five, you can come up after the message and be filled or be baptized by the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you to continue to come back every single week during this series. A lot of our series we build in such a way that if you come to the first one or to the fourth one, you'll get all the content you need. But this one really builds off one another. Today's the foundation, and then the rest of it will make sense because of that. So continue to come back. And if you can't, because you have to miss a week, please watch it online or watch it on the app so you understand what we're talking about. Because all of it together will fit really nicely like a puzzle to, to help us understand who the Holy Spirit and how we can apply that to our lives today. But before we get into too much further, I want to tell you two things because there is some worries about the Holy Spirit that is out there. Some people have seen some stuff on TV or experienced some stuff at different churches where they might be turned off to the Holy Spirit. You saw it in the the bottom right-hand corner of that the video that it says deep or not weird, or we named it that last time because some people just look at the Holy Spirit and say, that's really weird. But what we're talking about is growing deeper with God from his word. And so two things I want you to know. The first thing is this, unless you thought we were bizarre before today, you won't be changing your opinion of us through this series. And you might think that we're bizarre from before today. That's fine. We've done some bizarre things from this stage. I know one time I talked of a story about going to a pool party with a teacher and then hitting that teacher. I know that Pastor Chris has shared a story about uh, getting a gun and trying to shoot his mom. I know that Pastor Mark, last time he spoke in the 10 o'clock service, allowed us to uh, zoom in on the back of his neck with his uh, neck fat. We've been doing some bizarre things here. So if you think we're bizarre, that's fine. However, this series is not going to make you think we're more bizarre than that. The second thing is this. New Life isn't becoming a church where people roll in the aisles. Here's the thing. We're not adopting something new. We do that all the time here. We say we're here at New Life. We're trying something new. This isn't new. This is foundational to what we already believe. So we're just defining what we believe. 
We're just helping everyone to understand who the Holy Spirit is. So nothing is changing except we want everyone to get further and deeper with the Holy Spirit. What we want to do during experience in the Spirit is to help everyone live lives that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's our desire. That's what we want to do. We believe that God's created us in such a way that we are designed to have a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is here on this earth to give us power so that we can make changes in the lives of ourselves and in those around us. I'm really thankful for new life because before I came here, I didn't know much about the Holy Spirit. When I was in high school, I went to a youth group and we didn't really talk about him. When I was at a church before new life, we had a lot of sermons about the Father, a lot about the Son, but not very much about the Holy Spirit. It was really more relegated to the end of prayers during baptism or the Lord's Supper or during the Lord's Prayer, we would say the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. And that's all I really knew. I didn't know who he was. And so coming here helped me to understand him a little better. And so I wanted to share two just foundational things about the Holy Spirit that I've learned that I think maybe would be helpful for all of us to get our mind drops around who the Holy Spirit is. The first thing is this. The Holy Spirit is a person and not an it. This actually was taught to me by Pastor Chris recently. I sent him this message and he responded by saying, it's a good message, but you sometimes refer to the Holy Spirit as a he and an it. And I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is a person, just as the Father and the Son are. And it kind of opened my mind. Sometimes we think that the Father and the Son are up here and the Holy Spirit's down there, but that's not true. They're all the Trinity together. They are all God. Recently, I was in a master's class and I stumbled upon this diagram about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it was really helpful for me to understand the Trinity. So I wanted to show it to you today. So if we could put that up there. Yeah. And so at the top, it says Father, the bottom left, Son, and the bottom right, Spirit. And then it describes the Trinity's relationship to one another by saying the Father is not the Spirit, who is not the Son, who is not the Father. So they're individual. They have unique abilities. They have specific jobs. And the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Spirit is God. So all of them are God, although they work differently and they appear differently. So the Trinity is together. One time someone told me that the Trinity is kind of like H2O. H2O can be in three different forms, gas and liquid and solid, but all of them are H2O. Same thing. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all God. They take different forms, but they're all God. So the first thing is the Holy Spirit is a person and not an it. And the second thing to help us understand this Trinity is the fact that the Trinity has always been together. For a long time, I thought the Father started the thing that whole universe. And then the Son came later, the Holy Spirit came later after that. But that's just not true. The Trinity has always been together forever, always will be together as well. We know this because Genesis 1 talks about the Holy Spirit. At the creation of the whole world, it says this from chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God was with 
God, the Father, and the Son at the very beginning of time, hovering over the waters. And then in the book of John, he records about Jesus, and he refers to Jesus as the Word. Now, this is very significant because John was writing to a couple audiences. He's writing to the Jewish people who use the term the Word to mean the truth of God. And the Greek people he was writing to as well, they use the word, the word, to mean this unknowable force that moves the universe forward. So John refers to Jesus as the word on purpose because Jesus is both the force that moves the universe forward and he is the truth of God. I just think that's really cool. So when he describes, he starts to describe Jesus, he says this in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning... The word already existed, meaning Jesus already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Jesus, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Father all existed at the beginning of time together. They've always existed. So this series isn't just about getting two-thirds of God, but we want to avail ourselves of all of God that is available to us. I love that term, avail, because it just means that we're going to make use of, that we want to receive all that God has given to us. We want to make our lives available to the Holy Spirit, because here on this earth, He is working and moving, and we want to partner with that. So we want to avail ourselves to all that God has. Now, some people sometimes think that the Holy Spirit isn't real because people who claim to be baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit are flawed. But the truth is the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father are all perfect. We, however, are not. And so there is an opportunity for us to receive the Holy Spirit, but then still to make mistakes and to sin. In fact, being baptized and filled by the Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to know God more intimately and to exercise his power more fully. Makes it possible, but we have to receive it. It's like any gift that God gives. It's freely given, but we must receive it by giving up control. Must give control up to the Holy Spirit. Now, since I've come to New Life, I've really understood this more. I heard Pastor Chris share this in 2014, and I started praying for the Holy Spirit to take away my anxiety. I've always struggled with anxiety, with worry, with doubt, with fear. Oftentimes, it leads to depression. And so I started saying, Holy Spirit, take it away. Fill me up and take it away. And the more I give control over it to the Holy Spirit, the more those stuff leaves me. But the more I want the control back, the more that I fight for it, and as people, we do that sometimes. We fight for the control. When I take it back, I start to have those anxious thoughts, those feelings as well. When I was in Myanmar last year, I got to experience a guy named Andy who is filled with the Holy Spirit. He had completely given over control one day, and he was hearing the words from the Holy Spirit. So he prophesied and said, there's someone in here that needs to be healed, that needs to come forward and to be healed today. And that person stood up and came forward and was healed. And I saw this miraculous thing, and it blew my mind because Andy was just saying, God, take control. Holy Spirit, my whole life is yours. And the Holy Spirit's power moves me to a deeper desire to give all of my control over to the Holy Spirit so that he can do whatever he wants in and through me. Whatever he wants in and through me. And listen, I want that for you too because I believe that you were formed for a purpose to experience God's own glory here on this earth. That he's designed you to walk from one glory to another to experience his supernatural being here I believe that God has desired you to live free from the bondage of sin. That's what the Holy Spirit promises to do in our lives. 
that God's created you to further his kingdom here on earth, to do miraculous things like bring healing for people. But it comes through the power of the Holy Spirit when we give control up, when we release it to God. And the cool thing is during this series, we're not just talking about information. We're talking about power to deliver people from the bondage of sin and death. Power of the Holy Spirit that can deliver people from sin and death. Because we know people right now that's in our minds. Maybe it's us because we do struggle with sin. We, we struggle with it. We give our lives over to it sometimes. We don't want to. Paul talked about it in God's word. He said, oftentimes I do what I don't want to do. I know I don't want to do it, but then I keep doing it. The Holy Spirit's that power to release us from that so we can start to do the things that God has destined for us. And the good news is, is that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to come to us. In fact, this is our take-home point. It's one point that this message is wrapped around that I hope you take home with you. And you know, not just today, but the rest of your life to give you encouragement for as we live. And it's simply this. Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit to those who trust in him. It's almost that simple. We just trust in God. We trust in Jesus. We give our lives over to him, give the control, and he gives us the Holy Spirit. So cool because when Jesus resurrected, he would go and talk to some people and those guys would run back to the disciples and tell them what happened. And it's recorded in the book of Luke. And I'd love to read it to you today. It says this starting in Luke 24, verse 35. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. How cool. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. I love this because like the, the final test to tell if someone's a ghost or not was to feed them. I think it's hilarious. Like if a ghost was in my house, I'm not like warming up fish sticks for them. Like, okay, we'll just test these out. And then, oh, they went through you. You're really a ghost. But the disciples, that was their final test. Weird, but hey, it worked. Then he said, when I was with you, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed and the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. I love this because Jesus is just being so clear. But as we watch the disciples, they just don't get it. They're not understanding what he's saying. When Jesus was alive before he was crucified, he told them that he was going to die and come back and they didn't get it. And he told them before that the Holy Spirit was going to come. And again, they didn't get it. And so sometimes I just get so hard on the disciples, like, come on, guys, that's so dumb. But then I think of my own life. I realize, okay, 
I do some dumb stuff too. There's one day that I woke up and I was hurrying for work. And so I go to wash my face and I put the, the soap on me to lather it up. And I put it on my face and I start to realize that my face is burning. And I open my eyes and look and I had opened the toothpaste. I put toothpaste on my face. It's not even the same pump. Like toothpaste is like from a tube and it doesn't feel the same. But I'd washed my face with it. It was dumb. It was dumb. I remember one time I was in French class. I was in 10th grade, taking 11th grade French class. So I thought I was smart, but I showed up late one day and the teacher gave me an assignment. So I was like, okay. I saw everyone else working on it. So I started working on it. I got my books out. I was trying to make some up for some lost time. And halfway through, the teacher started yelling at me in French. And I looked up and I was like, what are you saying? And she grabbed my paper, ripped it up, and threw it away. And then I looked, and no one else had a book open. And it dawned on me that we were taking a test. <laughs> so I was just cheating. And so afterwards, people from the class were like, Alex, nice try. Like, that was pretty slick. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that was just dumb. And because I had no idea. So, okay, I look at the disciples, and I'm like, come on, guys. But I realized that us as people, we're flawed. We're sinful. We make mistakes too. And Jesus knew that. So he said, okay, I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you someone to give you power. I'm going to send you someone so you can understand what I'm trying to say. Even in this moment, he gave him the power of the Holy Spirit. It said this in verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He gave them the power of the Holy Spirit because that's what the Holy Spirit does. Sometimes you could be reading God's word or listening to a message and then something just clicks. Or like a light bulb goes on. That's the Holy Spirit working in and through you. So they had the knowledge, the disciples, but they didn't yet have the power. And it's important for us to know that knowing alone won't get the job done. We need the Holy Spirit to share the good news, to love the unlovable, or anything that God wants us to do. We need the Holy Spirit to accomplish the task that God has asked us to do. And he's asked us to do big tasks. Believe me, he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That's a huge task. We need power to do that. Here at New Life, we want to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus with the world, one person at a time. Again, big task. We can't do it on our own, but God can do it because he can do all things, and we can do all things through him who gives us the strength to do that. So the Holy Spirit is who we need to call upon to do that stuff. It's kind of like our cell phones. So I love my cell phone because I can do things like, and over the summer, I was able to Skype with my son when I was in Myanmar, me and my wife were talk to him. He was like a year old at the time, so he didn't really care what we were doing, but we loved seeing him. We were like begging for his attention. He was just playing with toys. Like, Ezra, look at me, look at me. And he was like, oh, there's bubbles here. And those are more entertaining than you, dad. And so that was cool though. I loved seeing him, but I also get to talk to people that I love. I get to watch sports games on my, my phone. I got to play games on there. A phone is great. But a couple years ago, the battery in my phone died. So I would plug it in, it would go to 100%, and I'd walk away, and the power would just completely go out of the phone. So it didn't matter the apps that I had downloaded or the data that it had or the pictures that were in there because there was no power to the phone. Same thing in our lives. It doesn't matter the information that we download into our brains. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, we can't do the supernatural things that God wants us to do. So we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's why we constantly want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just once, but always. We don't just plug a phone in and then let it die and then say, all right, that was one phone. I'll get another one eventually. We consistently fill it up with power. And same thing for us. We want to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit so it pours out to everyone around us. 
then we want to be filled up again, so it again pours out to everyone around us so we can change our communities, those people that are around us, and our lives in the process. So cool that Jesus knew that we needed this help, so he promised the Holy Spirit. We know that the promise that he made was the Holy Spirit because eventually when the Holy Spirit descended at Pentecost, Peter would quote the book of Joel where he would say this, Then, after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. And those days I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women I like. I love this. God promised the Holy Spirit on everyone. He said, sons and daughters will prophesy. He said, old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. And the Holy Spirit will be poured on in who? Everyone, both men and women. That God is destined for us to partner with the Holy Spirit to do big things on this earth. Before Jesus was crucified, he talked about the Holy Spirit, and he referred to him as an advocate for us, someone that would fight for us. He said this, and it was recorded in the book of John, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. That's important. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus, he knows the Holy Spirit. He's intimately involved with the Holy Spirit because they're part of the same trinity. They're all God together. And so he knew that we would benefit from the Holy Spirit more than we would benefit from Jesus because the Holy Spirit can be in everyone. So he promises that the Holy Spirit would come. And so today, what we wanted to do was just lay a foundation for this series, a biblical foundation of who the Holy Spirit is. And we're going to build off this every single week. So if you have questions today, that's okay. That's normal. There's a lot of unknowable stuff about the Holy Spirit, but I want to encourage you to continue to come back. We're going to try to answer your questions. But if you have questions and you can't wait till you come back, you can always contact one of our pastors. You can contact us by using our name at newlifexn.org. So Alex at newlifexn.org or Chris at newlifexn.org. We'd love to talk to you more about the Holy Spirit. But for this series, we want you to be able to answer two questions for yourself as we walk through these. The first one is this, is God's word true? If you believe God's word is true and not a myth or story like we do, you'll believe in the Holy Spirit because it's written all throughout God's word. The second thing that we'll have to answer for ourselves is has the Holy Spirit ever stopped working? Some people believe the first part. They say the Holy Spirit is, is true because the God's word is true, but he stopped working. Some people believe that when the original apostle, the last original apostle, John, passed away, the Holy Spirit was just sucked up from the earth. But God's word doesn't confirm that. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be with us always. Our experience doesn't confirm that. We believe that the Holy Spirit is moving and living today. So if you can answer those two questions, you'll be able to be on that track to receive that Holy Spirit and to move and live in his power. So as we prepare to hear the rest of this series, as we prepare for the next four weeks of Holy Spirit, of experiencing the Spirit, one of the things that we can do to get ourselves ready is today's next step, which is simply this. I will let the Holy Spirit fill me daily this week. Let's start speaking to the Holy Spirit. Let's ask him to fill us up with his presence. Let's listen and let's give control. Right now, let us call on him right now. 
Dear God, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll fill us right now. Pray that you'll speak to us clearly. Allow us to strengthen our relationship with you and go deeper than we've ever gone before. We love you and pray this in your son's name. Amen.